So, Chris, I'm not going to believe that I'm going to say this, but I think Orange Cassidy had the best match that I have seen this week. Am I insane? Uh, no, it was a good match. Um, I am normally one of these people that I think like you, when I when I see that Orange Cassidy is wrestling, I immediately roll my eyes. Um, but uh, the actual wrestling match that he had this week was solid. I mean, it, it was it was a really solid match. It told a good story. Everybody sold well. And, um, you know, the ending kind of came out of nowhere. It was a bit of a surprise to me. I actually thought, I mean, I still think that Powerhouse Hobbs is a, a bigger potential star, but you know, Hey, uh, surprises are good. And, uh, controversy creates cash. Absolutely. I, I, I really thought the Tony Khan and his friends must have listened to last week's show because I had made the comment that, you know, I thought it was a decent show. I enjoyed watching the episode, but I didn't feel like any of the segments were really that good. I thought tonight's show was fantastic. I thought top to bottom, that rampage this week advanced more storyline than I've seen on an AEW product in weeks at this point. Yeah, it was a heavily story driven show for sure. Like, you know, they, they, they pushed forward a bunch of different things. You know, they're, they're trying to pay off the stuff with the women and I still don't even understand what's going on with that, but I'm, they're definitely pushing things forward. Um, I, I feel like there's some, I felt like there was some logical missteps that we can talk about, but overall, I really liked the show as a show, not necessarily as a wrestling event, but as a show, I felt like they really moved things forward. This was a story heavy episode. This is not, you know, sometimes you watch procedurals and there's a show where you can just skip the episode completely and you, you're not going to lose track of what's going on. That wasn't this. This was a, a show that you should have tuned into. And if you didn't go back and watch it, because it's going to help you understand what's going on moving forward with the AW product. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Rampage Uncaged being presented by the Hami Media Group over at channelattitude.com. My name is Dr. Michael Jargo, Ph.D., and I am joined by my good friend, Mr. Christopher Ams. Chris, how are things? I know it's been a little hectic. Um, our schedules are insane between cyber attacks and psyche vows. But, hey, man, we're, we're getting the show out this week one way or the other. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been a heck of a week. Uh, I think both of us have been super busy at work and then I had a whole weekend thing where I had to drive to a place that's four hours away so that I could do some stuff so that the government will eventually give me a gun and the authority to shoot people. <laughs> God uh, bless Canada. <laughs> so that's, that's been my week, but, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about the show and excited to be on with you and, uh, sorry, Jimmy couldn't make it this week. And, uh, I'm sure we'll we'll see him next week, and we miss him, and hope everything's all right with you, Jim. Yeah, of all, of all the shows to miss, this was not the one, Jimmy T. This was not the <laughs> one. I thought this was a good show. Let's start things off. Orange Cassidy versus Powerhouse Hobbs. Orange Cassidy comes out with his ribs all taped up, and I was like, holy crap, of everybody on the roster to actually sell an injury week to week, it's Orange freaking Cassidy. Who knew? And then him and powerhouse Hobbs go out. They have an eight minute match where powerhouse Hobbs basically just dominates the match and get this 
works over Orange Cassidy's ribs for about eight freaking minutes until we get the the terrible finish. I didn't like the finish. I didn't like everything with Bryce Rimsburg and Powerhouse Hobbs getting his face and then the roll-up finish. Like That completely aside, outside of the finish, I absolutely loved this freaking match. Yeah, I'm with you. I thought the wrestling match was one of the best that I've seen this week. Um, it was only eight minutes, which goes to show you that you can still tell a really compelling, interesting story in eight minutes. You don't need to have 25 minutes every single time you want something to mean something. And uh, yeah, like you said, the the heel focused on the injured body part. Wow. Shocker. And, uh, you know, the baby face sold what happened last week as part of a continuing story, which I mean, isn't that everything that wrestling fans you know in our age group have been asking for for the last 15 years like just you know give me a reason for why i'm watching week to week right make it so that it makes sense one week and then the next week and i know what's going on and you reward me for the fact that i'm a loyal watcher and follower of your product i thought this was a really excellent match and uh like you said they focused on the right things this was this was wrestling 101 and it's perfect when it does when they do that even going back when they told the story of how, you know, going back to 2020 last year, Orange Cassidy beat Powerhouse Hobbs in about 13 seconds, something like that. Hobbs comes charging in. Orange Cassidy hits him with the orange punch, pins him. This time, Orange Cassidy goes for the orange punch. Powerhouse Hobbs wisely ducks out of the way, hits Orange Cassidy with this vicious spine buster about 15 seconds into the match. 15 seconds into the match, false finish, I bought in. I thought that was the freaking match. Orange Cassidy sold it great. The spine buster looked freaking great. Like, it was perfect. A false finish 15 seconds in, I was totally bought into this match. Yeah, no, me too. And um, th this was just proof that, you know, people, you know, I've complained in the past that AEW doesn't do enough to uh, tell the story. Um, in in between matches, it seems like it's just one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. Have a good match, go out there and have a good match, go out there and have a good match. Which I mean, I'm not complaining. I'd still rather watch good wrestling than Monday Night Raw. But you know, like, uh, but the the yeah, the storytelling aspect of of showing one beat to the next beat to the next, and I've I've been complaining about that, and I've had people fight me on that and say well what do you expect them to do they can't they can't run you know 35 minutes of a video before every wrestling match and this was proof positive that all you need is about 30 seconds they showed a 30 second clip before this of orange cassidy winning in 13 seconds and it was just quick oh bang that happened and he won real quick and then you're like you i'm watching it and he goes for the punch he misses Quick spine buster looked great. Like you said, powerhouse Hobbs. I mean, that kid has future star potential. It was a triple uh, H quality spine buster. It was, it really was. And I bought two. I definitely bought in. I was like, Oh, and then no. And I was like, ah, <laughs> so let's talk about the finish. This entire thing with Bryce Remsburg getting up in the face of powerhouse Hobbs. I, I thought, Taz and Jericho on commentary went a little over the top with the whole five seconds. And I know you haven't been in a ring in a really long time, but you know, the, the, these are the rules and Taz is like, yeah, but so he broke after five seconds. Like, why is he still yelling at him? Like what? I thought the entire thing was sloppy. I know what they were trying to do. 
it just it, it came across as B level to me. Yeah, it did. And sometimes it does with AEW. It's it's one of these things, you know, you know, Jimmy and I, we, you know, we do our other shows and everything. And I've often said that AEW is bipolar. Um, they'll give you something really great and then they'll give you something really bad. And it it's some very often it's segment to segment, right? It's one thing's great, one thing's terrible, one thing's great, one thing's terrible. And you're like, God, can we get a little bit of consistency good for right. just like just just an hour, just one hour of really solid wrestling. And yeah, this was definitely B-level stuff where, I mean, and you could have just done it properly. He could have just held the, the hold for the five seconds and continued holding. And then, you know, we've seen this lots of times in pro wrestling where the referee gives some leeway and he tells, yells at the guy, you better let go right now or I'm going to, or, you know. And then you can have that moment afterwards where he lets go and then the referee's yelling at him or whatever, you know, Hey, you, you need to make sure you're listening to me. I'm, I'm in charge. And you know, that kind of thing, it just little minor tweaks, which I, 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 I really feel like AEW is just me missing these, these minute details in stuff that, that would take things from being really good to actually in that great discussion, you know? And again, we're talking about an eight minute match, but this was really good. As far as the finish goes, I would have much preferred. You could have accomplished the same thing, but you so you got Orange Cassidy in the corner, and Powerhouse Hobbs is just throwing those shoulder blocks into his ribs. Bryce counts to five, rings the bell. Powerhouse Hobbs celebrates because he thinks that this has been a ref stoppage because Orange Cassidy is in such terrible shape, and it turns out that Powerhouse Hobbs has been disqualified. You could have accomplished exactly the same thing and just had it look so much cleaner. Like I thought they made they made Powerhouse Hobbs kind of look like a pussy. Like if you're if you're that freaking mad at Bryce Remsburg, then just freaking take your shot, dude. You know what I mean? But backing down from Bryce Remsburg really <laughs> it, it makes Powerhouse Hobbs look like a pussy. It does. And also I like I personally think that a way better booking decision for this, if you needed to do the if you needed to have this as the outcome, which I, I don't personally agree with, I can't stand Orange Cassidy. Um it, it's like someone telling the same joke for two straight years at this point. Yeah, I heard you the first time. Uh come up with something new or I'm bored. Like it's not funny anymore. It's not entertaining. I don't get a kick out of it. There's nothing about this that is that is fun. This this is Again, like I said, it, it's the same joke at the same note in the same timing and the same cadence every single week for two years. I'm tired of it. But, you know, if you're booking and this is what you need to happen for whatever reason, and there's lots of reasons why you might need Orange Cassidy in the next round of this title eliminator, then what you could have done and what I think would have been a better decision is just like you were saying, have powerhouse Hobbs just keep hitting them. And have the referee tell him you're going to get disqualified and have him turn around and say, fucking disqualify me then and just keep hammering him. Yep. And he leaves, right? You know, he leaves after that and he's like, I don't care about this title eliminator. I'll get my shot when I want my shot, but I'm in here to hurt people. You just, you, you create an aura around a person. Yeah. You get this amazing heat of this guy who's like, who's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Title eliminator, whatever. I'm here to hurt good guys. You get heat. That's perfect. That's a really good way to get heat, and it's logical. It makes sense, especially for somebody as young and as new to the business as Powerhouse Hobbs is, to say, yeah, 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 this isn't my one shot in my life. I'm like, and I needed to send a message here, you know. 
I do like them putting Orange Cassidy over in this match simply because I have to assume that John Moxley is going to win tonight on Dynamite. So you're left with a, a wounded Orange Cassidy versus John Moxley. So I feel like this is a good opportunity to actually get a little bit of heat on Moxley as we go into the finals, because I have to assume it's going to be Danielson versus Moxley. You want people behind Brian, so any heat you can get on Moxley, even if you don't do a full turn, is going to be good heat at this point going into a matchup with Danielson. Yeah, absolutely. And after defeating the great Yuta um, at the last uh, at the last dynamite there, the way that Moxley did, um, <clears throat> you know, it definitely helps push that idea, um, you know, of, you know, I'm so aggressive that I'm willing to hurt the the good guys. Even if you cheer for them, I don't care. I'm trying to get them out of my way. So we get Tony Schiavone in the ring with Penta El Cerro Mero. Um, I was really excited that we were going to get a Penta promo here because, you know, Phoenix is injured, so Penta's there by himself, and I'm expecting Penta to throw down the challenge and say, listen, FTR, you screwed us over last week. You think you're so big and bad. Phoenix is coming back. We'll put the AEW titles on the line at full gear. But instead, we get this really weird kind of convoluted segment where Penta's about ready to talk, and then his interpreter notices some guys in the flying frog thing, and they go over and unmask these two guys who I have no idea who they were, and then FTR attacks them, and Tully punches out Penta, which is weird. I Like, I didn't care for this segment. I just thought it was just they made it way too complicated versus what they really needed to just set up this match for full gear. Terribly overbooked. Um, it, it literally adds nothing to the program that you couldn't have, you know, you, what should have happened is like you said, Penta should have come out here. He should have cut a quick, quick promo or cut part of a promo. Then you have the, the screen comes on it's FTR and they're, you know, showing off their AAA titles and they're shining them up and ah, ha ha, you know, we got the better of you and we're going to get the better of you at the pay-per-view. We accept the challenge and we'll see you there, whatever. I mean, that, that gives you everything you need from this segment. You didn't need to have, like you said, I mean, you got Tully getting physical on the actual wrestlers. no, that's wrong. It's just not right. So this whole thing was overbooked. It was an overcooked mess. It was like, you know, somebody had an omelet and they had done this omelet really nicely and it was it was ready to go and perfect. And then and then they suddenly were just like they grabbed everything out of the medicine out of, out of their closet and just like threw it all in there and you've got curry powder and peppers and somebody took uh some backwoods insect repellent and sprayed it in there and there's just they're grabbing everything in the house adding it to the omelet and you're like what the fuck did you do that for the only thing that i did like about this segment as penta is getting beat down pot comes out and makes the save we finally found a baby face that has friends that will come that actually have his back like that, that was nice to see, like at least, you know, cause you knew Pac was there. He's in the freaking main event. These guys are on the same team. Like, okay. Yeah. It took him a while to get there, but you know, like at least he showed up. I, maybe it's a long run from the locker room. Yeah. You don't know. I mean, Hey, maybe he was, maybe he was sipping some tea backstage and or eating some crumpets or something, whatever he English people do doing his DDP yoga to get ready for his match <laughs> with Andrade. Exactly. You mean black mask? Yes. Yes. 
Tremendous, tremendous. Let's talk about Dr. Britt Baker, DMD versus Anna J. This match goes 10 minutes. Um, and it wasn't a bad match. It wasn't a good match. It was just a match. I mean, it, it, it was there. And I, I thought it was fine. No, 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 no. You you totally missed the spot there. It wasn't a good match. It wasn't a bad match. It was a grudge match. Did you know it was a grudge <laughs> match, Jargo? It was a it was a grudge I match. That. I heard Did that you know in that passing was, once. Yeah, it was a grudge match. There there was it was a grudge match because these two have a grudge, and so they had a grudge match at this grudge match wrestling event that they had that was a grudge match. <laughs> and it had a very long commercial break in the middle of it. A yes, it very did. Very long commercial break in the middle of it. All of this, 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 it goes about ten minutes, all to set up the fact that you know Anna J, another babyface who has friends, and that friend is named Tainara Conti, and evidently we're gonna get Conti versus Britt. I, I thought the match was fine, right? For a television match that goes 10 minutes. I, I I thought it was fine. I thought the worst part of this match was when Conti got in the ring and kicked Britt Baker. Like, it felt like it took forever to, like, set up this, like, super simple, I'm going to kick you in the face to get you off of my friend spot. Is Conti ready for a match against Britt Baker at full gear? No, she's not in ring ready for it. I, I really... I'm not totally convinced at this point that Ty Conti is ready for TV. I, and I'm not saying that in, I'm not saying that to be mean. I actually, I think like I look at her and I see a lot of the same things that other people see. I see, well, I mean, obviously I see the one thing that everybody's seeing and yeah, that's nice She's to look hot. at, but I mean, yeah, like straight up sex sells. And if you have somebody that looks like Ty Conti and she can wrestle, that's a moneymaker. Absolutely. Yeah. But can she wrestle? And I mean, she's not sable, you know, she can wrestle a little, but you know, she's not exactly Trish Stratus either at this point. She's, she's not, she's not anything that I would say is excellent in the ring. There's often stuff during her matches where you're looking at it and you're like, wow, that missed by a foot. And she reacted like, you know, way too there. I, th I feel like that's sort of a, a general maybe complaint about wrestling in AEW is that a lot of things get sold when there's just no way there was any connection. And this is another reason why I don't like things like leg slapping and things like that, because, you know, I've seen a match in AEW now where, um, you know, Malachi black goes to throw the black mask. He, not the black mast, whatever he's calling it. He misses by a foot, slaps his leg. So it, I mean, where did that sound come from? I, <laughs> you missed. I was at takeover Chicago two and it was Alistair black versus Lars Sullivan for the NXT championship. And we're on the floor about 20 rows back, not the greatest of places to be, for that show because the, the big match was uh, the, the no DQ match between Gargano and Ciampa. And they spent All so much place, of it yeah. on the floor that we couldn't see a goddamn thing. It was, it was terrible seats. Right. But so Alistair black versus Lars Sullivan, he throws the black mass missed him by at least two feet and Lars sold it. And I mean, like even on the floor in like terrible seats, it was clear. He missed him by at least two feet. Yeah, no good. Um, and I like Alistair Black, but damn. So do I, yeah. But anyway, with Ty Conti, yeah, I'm not sure she's ready for it. The other thing I didn't like about this segment was 
Um, okay, let's let's put this in perspective, right? You are having a wrestling match against the world champion, right? And she attacks you after the match. And me, your friend Jargo, comes out to rescue you from the beating that's happening with the champ. The champ happens to leave the belt in the ring. Now, you, who just had a competitive match with her, are you know barely getting up to your feet and rather than me going up to you and being like hey bud are you okay you know uh, you know let, let's you know let's get up and we'll get you some some help in the backstage rather than worrying about you or thinking at all about you my response is i'm going to pick up this belt i'm going to hold up the belt look at how awesome i am i'm going to beat you at the pay-per-view oh yeah my friends hurt oh yeah um, yeah you're all right jargo aren't you okay cool look at me with the belt it's like <laughs> Well, you know what my response to that is? When I turn heel on you, this is why. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is why. This is why I turned on you. How stupid yeah. are you? You treat yeah, me like 100%. that? Of course I'm going to turn on you. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't like that aspect in this match. And yeah, I mean, there was definitely some things about this match where even this match I was going, I don't like, I know that Brit's TV ready. Cause I've watched enough of her against competent women to know that she is right. ready for television. She gets her stuff in, you know, like every other wrestler, she has her moments where she misses or something, but I'm not sure Anna Jay's TV ready because there were a number of times during this match where they were clearly supposed to do something. They had talked about a spot. Brit went in to do it. And Anna Jay was just sort of deer in the headlights, looking around going, what am I supposed Lost. to do now? What am I supposed to do now? Right. And uh, yeah, it's just one of those things. Wrestlers need to know how to, how to do things on the fly. They need to know how to react. That's what wrestling is. It's not acting, it's reacting. And, um, you know, if you can't react properly to things like that, it shows a level of not readiness, I think, for TV. Yep. And a lot of that just comes with experience, you know? I Absolutely. Britt, when... AEW started two years ago. That's pretty much where I felt like Britt was. And, she wasn't ready to start. You're and, then, right. and then she went out, she got the reps in, and now she's really freaking good. She's really freaking yep. good. As far as Ty Conti goes for me, I would like to see her go into training with somebody like a Brian Danielson, somebody like a Malachi Black, somebody like a CM Punk who has a legit MMA background that can help her translate the judo into pro wrestling rather than being a somebody who knows judo trying to be a professional wrestler just be a professional wrestler who does judo like there has to be a way to translate this and you need somebody with that kind of background helping her not somebody like qt marshall I think that's a perfect uh, pairing. I think specifically uh, CM Punk, who is very focused on jujitsu um, when he was training in MMA. I mean, obviously not much of a striker. We saw that during his career, but focused quite a bit on jujitsu. Um, and there's already, you know, a very clear reference for judokas um, becoming very good professional wrestlers in Ronda Rousey. And that's what she right. did. That was her focus. And she was very much able to make it look like someone performing judo in a wrestling match and that was entertaining and it was very quickly one of the most polished in-ring performers that the wwe has and that's i mean the wwe women's roster is significantly more polished than the AEW roster is i'm sorry anybody who's disagreeing with me right now you're wrong yeah i think it's closer than people give it credit for I, really I think that do. there are 
I think that there are about four women on the AEW roster who are truly elite in ring talents. Okay. I think that Serena Deeb um, is legitimately, to me, she's the Bret Hart of women's wrestling right now. She, everything she touches turns to gold, and she does everything correctly. Um, also, I would say that uh, Thunder Rosa, uh, Britt Baker, and I would... I struggle to put Hikaru Shida on there, but I have seen a number of really excellent matches from her. Okay. And on the WWE side, you have Becky, Charlotte, Sasha, Bianca Belair, Natalia. Bailey. Well, yeah, she's out injured right now, but I mean, that's, you're only six deep. And that once you get beyond that, I feel like it starts getting pretty hairy. So like, I, I, I'm not, you're right. I'm just saying, I think it's closer than people necessarily give it credit for because you have Charlotte, Becky, Sasha, Bailey. Oh, I think Shayna too in WWE. And Shayna, absolutely. Shayna is somebody that I would like to see Ty Conti work more like Shayna Baszler when it comes to her. That's excellent. That would be. Yeah, that would be the excellent thing to, to switch to. I I mean, personally, just to get off on a tangent, I, the, whatever WWE is doing with Shayna Baszler, they're not doing enough with her because she is fan-frickin-tastic. Well, I, Tony Storm is the one that drives me absolutely insane. And I don't include her in this top mix because they haven't booked her to be in that top mix, even though I think no. she's a best-in-the-world-freaking-talent. Yeah. Oh, Rare Ripley too, who they're just shoving into tag teams and, and have no tag teams to compete against. So that's, you know, WWE booking, which is exactly why we don't, I don't do WWE. I just don't watch it. <laughs> as, as we talk the AEW women's roster, funny enough, the next thing up was the announcement for the Hose Championship Tournament. Uh, Thunder Rosa, Jade Cargill, Nyla Rose, and Chris Statlander all getting a bye in the first round. So your first round matchups, Anna Jay versus Jamie Hayter. The Bunny, who puts asses in seats, you know, she draws more viewers than Roman Reigns. She's going to be taking on Red Velvet. That match could be a train wreck. Serena <laughs> Deeb versus Hikaru Shida. It'll be interesting to see if Shida gets that win back there or if they put Serena Deeb over again. That's probably the match I'm most intrigued by. And then Penelope Ford versus Ruby Soho, uh, your final matchup in round one. I'm looking forward to that match because I feel like Penelope Ford shows all this potential and she's never in there with somebody that can actually bring it out of her. I'm intrigued to see if Ruby can do that. Yeah, that is an intriguing matchup for sure. I have said a couple of times that Ruby Riot is one of the best in-ring sellers that uh, the AEW women's division has. Um, she had a, a match a couple of weeks ago now. Um, I think I think it uh, – maybe – I can't remember who it was against, but she was clearly in there with somebody who wasn't a very good worker, and she was able to sell <coughs> so well that – you liked the match. You, like I wound up enjoying the match, even though I could clearly see her opponent was not really TV ready. She sold so well that it was like, yeah, I like this. She did a really, like she worked so hard. You know, I'm not going to say it was Bret Hart, Tom McGee, but it was definitely a carry job by, by Ruby riot. And um, yeah, I, I like her a lot. I hope that she does really good. I like Penelope too. 
but it seems she's like she's got potential. She she needs to be in there with somebody that's definitely better than she is. And I think this matchup should be interesting. See how she kind of stacks up. Let's talk about your main event. No Mark Henry, but at least we had Tony Schiavone reciting his script word for word. Um, the, the the promos were rough here. Uh, Andrade's promo in English. I get what they're trying to do with him, but it's not working. It's not working. And Pac, like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about Pac right now. I think that's part of my problem. Like, he's a bastard. Like, the the way that, you, uh, oh, my God, ring announcer, I can't think of it. Justin Roberts. The way Justin Roberts introduces Pac is one of my favorite things in professional wrestling. Seeing how long he pauses when he says, he's a bastard it's great i absolutely love it um but it's really hard for me to view a bastard as a baby face and it feels like that's kind of where Pac is slotted right now so that's just a little weird for me um it's kind of like when they had evil as a baby face in new japan you know like how how is a guy named evil supposed to be a baby face and then you have andrade who's half-assed doing the Los Ingobernables gimmick and half-assed not doing the Los Ingobernables gimmick. I'm a little confused as far as what his gimmick is necessarily supposed to be. And his promo is just not good. No, it isn't. Um, and speaking as somebody who is you know, bilingual, I can speak Spanish. Um, I understand Spanish. And um, in like in Spanish, his promo is actually very strong. I've heard a couple of things Agreed. he's done in uh, in Mexico, and he he can really cut a good promo. Um, but he his his translation into English is so rough that it's embarrassing. I mean, I'm a big fan of Penta, and Penta has famously had like some gaffes in his English translation. Yeah. But to be honest with you, uh, Penta is ten times the English promo that. Uh, that El Idolo is here. And yeah, I mean the gimmick tonight, if you're a, if you're a DC comics fan, he was just dressed as black mask. Yeah, that's all yeah. he was. Like there, there's this, this was not like a, a callback. This was not Cody subtly dyeing his hair black as a callback to the Superman stuff. Um, this was just straight up. He came out dressed as black mask um, as if some, you know, as if Pac were to come out dressed as Batman and everybody would just be like, Oh yeah, that's cool. It's not cool. Don't do that. Yeah, no, not so much. Not so much. Pac is Batman. That's just, even that thought bothers me. It just, it just bothers me. Robin, I guess. There you go. That I can see. That I can see. Mighty Mouse. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what Vince was going for. Yeah. Uh, so Pac Good wins. Shit, pal. Pac wins the match in 15 and a half minutes. Um, we'll talk about the post match after. But as far as the match itself goes, these guys have had two matches. They're split 1-1. I'm not disappointed. I'm looking forward to the third because I really enjoy the chemistry these two guys have together in the ring. And they're the two best matches I've seen out of Andrade since he left the WWE. Yeah, agreed. Um, I really, I struggle to even think of when the last time I saw a really great Andrade match was, uh, probably in his NXT days. Um, yeah. he, he never really got a chance to get out of second gear on the main roster. And, you know, he's had, you, you're right, two pretty good matches with Pac, but I do feel a little bit like they're starting a little too fast. Um, specifically in this match, uh, you know, there was 
at, at the 30 second mark, Chris Jericho is going, yeah, we've already seen punches and kicks and a suplex and, and a dive and a, and a, you know, missile shot. And it's only been 30 seconds. And here's me thinking to myself, yeah, that's the problem guys. Okay. But, <laughs> but okay. I agree with you, but if I'm going to play devil's advocate, this was a Lucha match. I mean, yeah, like, I, like this was the epitome of a Lucha style singles match between, you know, two guys down in Mexico working at a very elite level. It was. Um, and even then, I would say that it was a little bit more um, in ring solid than what you'd expect out of a Lucha match. Um, I, I do feel like Pac is excellent at making things really look like they hurt. Um He's he's one of these in-ring talents that um, somebody was saying that they, they sort of see a little bit of uh, in-ring. Uh, well, Taz said this, that in-ring uh, sort of reminds him of Dynamite Kid. And I see it. I definitely see it. And I think that he might even at least appear to work even snugger than Kid did. Um, he looks like he's getting his stuff in. And I don't mean... I don't mean he's getting his shit in in a in a derogatory way. I mean it looks like his stuff is connecting and hard. So I liked this match a lot. I just wish that they could start off just a little slower and crescendo at some point rather than 100 miles an hour, you know, and then stop. 100 miles an hour, stop. And I know what you're saying. I understand that's Lucha, right? But I just wish that they could slow down just a tiny bit. I think it also needs to be said, I didn't feel like I was watching two former NXT champions inside the ring. Like, I feel like both of these guys at this point have gotten rid of that WWE stink. I, I actually sort of look at this on the opposite end, though. I, I think you're right. I think that you don't look at them as, as being former NXT champions, but I actually think that they've sort of brought themselves down from that at this point. I mean, you, you had said earlier about Pac, like, you know, am I supposed to cheer him? He's a bastard. Like, why should I cheer this bastard? Well, and the other thing is he almost never gets a significant win or if he does, he's then gone for three weeks and you completely forget that he got that win. He, there's so much start and stop with this guy. And like you said, I mean, the whole thing with the death triangle, I've been on this since the beginning of the death triangle. I mean, they first had them come out and I mean, week one, it was, Oh, these guys are best friends and they've been best friends forever. And they're, they're like blood brothers, these three and blah, blah, blah. And then he's gone for a month, you know? And meanwhile, they're getting their asses kicked. He's not there. He comes back. He doesn't say anything about them. And then three weeks later, again, he's saving them. And then another two weeks goes by where nothing happens. He's not there. He comes back. He wins a singles match or he loses a singles match. They don't come out to help him. They need to be consistent with this guy because in ring, he is unquestionably one of the best talents that they have. And I mean, unquestionably, he's one of the top five guys they got, but there's so much start and stop with them that it's really hard as a fan, as a person who like, again, my, my focus in wrestling is to follow the storyline, right? Now I love in-ring competition. I'm a Canadian wrestling fan, right? You'll hear me complain. Oh, that was that, you know, that needs to be stiffer. That needs to be snugger. That headlock was see-through all that kind of stuff, right? I'm a Canadian wrestling fan, but what people really follow wrestling for what, 
most wrestling fans and most casual fans really want to see is a progression of story. They want to see a guy get somewhere from somewhere, right? And with Pac, there's just so much start and stop that you're watching it and you're like, you can get excited and then watch. Like I, I, I swear to God, if I'm if I'm if I'm lying, I'm flying. He won't show up now for two weeks. We won't see Pac. Nobody will say anything about Pac. I still very firmly support the idea of Penta and Phoenix turning on Pac and having Pac kind of go off on his own direction without the Lucha Bros. Put the Lucha Bros with Andrade, do a Los and Gobernables kind of thing, have them in the the nice suits and ties, and go full on Los and Gobernables with it, and then you get singles matches between Pac and Penta, which would be awesome. You get a yep. singles match between Pac and Ray Phoenix, which are two of the best talents in the freaking world. It would be incredible. All until you work up to the final boss of Andrade versus Pac three. Like to me, that's just the smart booking. Then after this match, we get even another layer of that because we get Malachi black showing up alongside of Andrade. I actually kind of like that pairing. I kind of like those two guys together. I like the idea of Malachi black being ungovernable. And being the mouthpiece for Andrade, having the House of Black all together, I'm cool with that. But then we get the whole Cody thing. And the, the Cody and Malachi Black thing, I'm just over it. I'm kind of over Cody right now in general. Yeah. I'm I'm so ready for freaking heel Cody, which is the best Cody the ending of this thing felt very, very, very convoluted to me. But if we do end up with the pairing of Malachi Black and Andrade, I guess I can get over it. Yeah, I don't mind it. Um, I wonder if they're, I, I kind of wonder if their characters really fit. They may have to do a little bit of like a melding thing where they, and, but, um, I mean, if you start getting into like, Mexican ancient legends with like the whole dark magic thing. Like, I think there's a lot of really cool shit that we could do with these two personalities together. I don't think they're as far apart as you may think. Oh no, I, I would love it. I, I mean, I personally have always like, I mean, I've always been fascinated by Aztec and Mayan culture. I've been to Chichen Itza a number of times, which is the Mayan capital. Um, and I love Aztec, you know, mythology. It's it is extremely cool. It's also colorful. You know, yeah. when you look at the the costumes that people used to wear back then, they're colorful. I actually think that Aztec culture is one of those cultures that really would lend itself very well to professional wrestling. Lucha Underground was built around absolutely, there. absolutely. That and and that was and that was very successful with the hardcore audience the creative was to. fantastic it was just it was on a shitty channel and a shitty yeah. time slot and nobody could find it but it was it, yeah. the show was great it was fantastic yeah i'm not i mean again i'm an in-ring guy i like snug work and there was the, that was good work that was really it was a lot of lucha stuff but it was good lucha stuff it was stuff that looked like they were killing each other and people were selling as if they were getting killed um yeah, I would love to see them sort of come together on that, uh, you know, sangria, you know, uh, you know, 
type level where they're getting into the dark magic sort of thing. And that would be excellent. I would be all in for that. My worry is just that they have these two together and they do nothing to change either one's character at all. And it just looks like, you know, the rich Mexican bad guy and the demon worshiping Dutchman. And you're like, why? Right. Tell me why. Show me why. You know, let, and that's just that's just my let worry with Malachi AW. Black go. Just tell him this is what we want to do and let that guy go and tell his own freaking story. Because I'm quite sure he'll come up with some cool shit. I agree. Very cool. And yeah, it, as far as Cody, honestly, when they had Cody come out here, my my thought was Ugh. like, was like, they're still trying to push this guy Ugh. as a face right now. Like that, like they he's did this. He is oh. self-aware. I mean, we, I, okay. So after Rampage goes off the air, they go to Roads to the Top, right? I'm not watching the show. I really don't care about Brandy and Cody and their behind the scenes <laughs> bullshit. But I saw the tease for the next episode. Yeah. Oh, they're booing me. They're and, booing and, me. and Cody's talking about how they're booing him out of the freaking building. Like he is yeah. self-aware of what's going on here. Mm-hmm. I, I can only hope that tonight on Dynamite, Malachi Black kicks his freaking head off again. And we, we get this Cody heel turn because it's ripe. It is here. Like people want to boo Cody. Cody's a great heel. All Cody has to do is come out and be like, what the hell is wrong with you people? Look at what I have built for you. Look at what I created for you. And you're going to boo me against this piece of shit. Fuck you. Like, screw all of you. Yeah. Like, this guy attacked a 65-year-old retired guy who, you know, you know his back's been broken for years and he can't, you know, he does the best he can. I mean, do, do you not appreciate Arn Anderson anymore? What's wrong with you people? What's yeah. wrong with this audience? You know, you were supposed to be the audience that appreciated professional wrestling. You're supposed to be the, the audience that that loves the legends. But you're, you, you're watching a 65-year-old Arn Anderson get his head kicked off by this guy and then you're cheering for him? Yeah. I didn't turn on you. You turned on me. Yeah. Screw all of you. Absolutely. That's, That's the right wh- way. <laughs> it's And it's right here. It's right there. It's in the palm of your freaking hand. It's in black and white right in front of you. So hopefully they can see it and catch on because, you know, I mean, we see it. You know, the, the fans have seen it for a long time, too. I mean, you know, you like, you know, me and Jimmy do that other show, the the skirmish. You were on with us like a long time ago. A long time ago, I was saying to you, I, I remember saying like, man, Cody is aggravating. Like this whole 18 minute entrance that he does every single fucking yep. week. And like, I remember being frustrated back then. Right. I mean, yep. that's been a while. So now at this point, I'm like, God, can we just stop this nonsense? I think I really honestly believe that Cody somehow in his head has it in his mind that he's going to turn and it's going to be like Hogan in the NWO because he's been the good guy for so long. And it's like, nah, Cody, honestly, half this audience thinks you're a fucking chump. I just I can't help but find it very, very funny that two years into AEW. All the executive vice presidents are going to be heels. (laughs) All the guys who started this company, all the guys who came together and were like, we're going to buck the system. 
They're all bad guys now. Two years. Fickle! <laughs> Fickle! Well, and Cody can play off that. Absolutely! Absolutely! I think it's good stuff. I thought this was a very good episode of Rampage. I am looking forward to sitting down and watching Dynamite as, as we sit here to record right now. I see MJF beating the shit out of Sting and yelling at me through the camera. So that I'm is sure to be entertaining as we try to get more heat as we go to That's MJF and Darby. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I think Fuck it's Bubble smart. Sting anyway. I, I'm, I'm tired of Bubble Sting. You know, he comes out to Bubbles. He's got, you know, meth Sting in his corner. I'm, I'm just done with Sting in general. I don't I don't care. I'm fickle. I was so excited the night he came back. I don't care about Sting at this point. Were, were you Tony Schiavone? It's Sting! <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. This, they kind of ruined Sting for me as soon as they put a microphone in his hand. Like Honestly, I remember saying that to Jimmy. I was like, I was like, what the fuck are they doing? Last week, the, his debut. I was like, last week was so fucking perfect. You just have him show up. He's this dark, ominous figure. And he sting. can literally be the fucking <laughs> phantom of the opera for AEW. He can just show up, beat the shit out of the bad guys, disappear. Show up, beat the shit out of the out of yep. the tweeners, disappear. Show up. Beat the shit out of the the good guy who's about to turn heel and disappear. You could fucking book him so well like that. You never even need him to have a fucking wrestling match. He could literally just be this avenging spirit in the background. But you literally put a fucking microphone in front of him and be like, Tony, it's so good to see you, buddy. <laughs> Come here. Give me a fucking hug. <laughs> this is great. Uh, what are you getting paid? I'm getting paid lots. This is fucking great. Woo. You know, but one thing that I do enjoy about Sting at this point, I guess we'll wrap up on this. Sting Jitsu. Are you familiar with Sting Jitsu? I am not. Okay, so so here is the rules of Sting Jitsu. It only works if you have a group of more than three people. Right? Right. If you've got seven guys attacking Sting... He will beat all of you motherfuckers off with a baseball bat. <laughs> if you've yeah. got two guys attacking Sting, he's he's powerless. That's yeah. the key to Sting. The more guys you attack him with, the more Sting Jitsu comes out. You have to attack him with three guys or less. Otherwise, it doesn't work. It's the rule of threes when it comes to Sting Jitsu. Four guys, Sting will beat your ass. Nine guys, Sting will beat your ass. Three guys, you can take that motherfucker out like it's nothing. It's just like Fezzik from the uh, from the yep. uh, Princess Bride, Andre the Giant's character. Yep. You know, it's a different uh, different strategy when you're fighting more than three men at a one at a time. Yep, you could have eight hundred and thirty four <laughs> members of the NWO attack Sting. He will take you out with a baseball bat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Hogan, Hall, and Nash. Sting is powerless. Honestly, H- Hogan and and uh, Hogan and Sting having a stare down, and then Virgil grabs him by the leg. He's t- he's powerless. He's fucked. Yeah, yep. completely yep. screwed. Completely <laughs> screwed. You can find me on Twitter at not Jargo, MichaelJargo.com, at MarkMedia.com. That is Mr. Chris Ams. Chris Ams one on Twitter. And Chris, you're not going to believe this. I just got a message from Jimmy T. Yeah, I know. Yeah. As we wrap up the show, as we're ready to hang up, as we're all done, Jimmy T's (laughs) like, hey guys, what's going on? 
<laughs> fucking guy. That fucking guy. Next week, Jim. Next week. Next week, we will talk to you on a new episode of Rampage Uncaged. For now, for Chris Ams, I am Dr. Michael Jargo, P.H.D. We will talk to you next week.